Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. As I said, it's probably a familiar passage to most of us, but we'll go ahead and read the passage as we get started here. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. What we're going to kind of be looking at and what we're going to try and draw out of here is the, that thankfulness leads us into the presence of God. And it's an opportunity to respond to what he has done in our lives. Thankfulness leads us into the presence of God and is an opportunity, is an appropriate, excuse me, is an appropriate response to what God has done in our lives. Now, the events that we have here, if we're trying to piece the, the Gospels together um, and to, so we can harmonize them and see how things flow together. The events that happen here likely happen after the events of John chapter 11. Uh, John 11, of course, is the account of, of Lazarus's death, Jesus going to Bethany, meeting with Martha and Mary and making one of the great seven I am statements, I am the resurrection and the life, and then proceeding to call Lazarus back from the dead. So what is going on here is that these are the events, that this is one of the events that, that Luke alone records as Jesus is drawing ever closer to Jerusalem and the cross. He's moving his way to the cross, and this is just one of the several events that Luke records during that process, during that time. So in verses 11 to 14, let's take a look at these again, and we see that 10 were healed. 10 were healed. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So we see 10 were healed here. Now, Luke mentions that Jesus was passing between or passing along between Samaria and Galilee. This gives us a little bit of a geographical location for this. He's giving some information, but he's kind of painting in broad strokes here because there's some ambiguity to this comment. All we know is that he is up kind of in the, in the border area between Galilee and Samaria. He's not necessarily walking along the borderline of the two regions, but he is somewhere up in that area, possibly in Galilee, possibly in Samaria. Um, one, 
Uh, one writer uh, theorized that if, if these events happened following John 11, which is Bethany, which is down near Jerusalem or closer to Jerusalem, he may have gone up on the other side of the Jordan and fell in along with the, the pilgrims heading down to Jerusalem. So and this is kind of where things were meeting together. Uh, he says that as he was going to enter a town, we don't know what town, Luke doesn't name it. But we have just some broad information that he is kind of near the, the southern border of Galilee, northern border of Samaria, on his way to Jerusalem, heading to Jerusalem for that final Passover week. And why do I say that? Well, Luke is kind of divided up in two, two places. From Luke 1 through 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 50, is all preliminary. And nine, chapter 9, verse 51, through Luke 19, verse 44, records Jesus' final travels towards Jerusalem. And that culmination of his earthly ministry ending in his death, burial, and resurrection. So, Let's talk about these regions a little bit. Galilee, we're kind of familiar with as we've been working through Mark. Galilee was heavily populated by Jews, but it was also heavily populated by Gentiles. But Jesus' hometown in Nazareth is a village in Galilee, and he spent most of his earthly ministry in that region. Samaria, you'll remember, is in the middle region between Galilee in the north and Judea in the, in the south. The Samaritans were descendants of Jews that were left in the land after the exile to, ba to Babylon and that had married with the Canaanites. As things progressed, they believed in that their temple on Mount Gerizim was the true temple of God and they only held to the five books of Moses as being inspired scripture. The Jews and Samaritans had great disdain for each other, looking back, um, going all the way back to the return of Babylon of the Jews, return from Babylon by the Jews. And yet, John chapter 4 records that the first person Jesus revealed his identity as Messiah to was a Samaritan woman. Jesus was traveling towards Jerusalem. He was about to enter an unnamed town that is mentioned here, likely near or on the, Samar the Samaria-Galilee border, but he came across 10 men who had leprosy. The leprosy, one uh, Bible dictionary defines it as a generic term applied in a variety of skin disorders from psoriasis to true leprosy, commonly known as Hansen's disease, or more accurately known as Hansen's disease. Its symptoms range from white patches on the skin to running sores to the loss of digits on the fingers and toes, and even further than that. But having having uh, leprosy made one an outcast. They didn't, it was, if it was the more, uh, the more severe case, it could be highly contagious. And it was, you 
had to live outside the city, you had to live outside the camp. Uh, the Levitical law had very specific details on what had to be done. So when these lepers, somewhere near the outskirts of this town, see Jesus and the disciples coming, they somehow recognize him and they cry out to him for mercy. But they stood at a distance. They stood at a distance. According to the law, those with leprosy were quarantined from the community. They could not interact with others and had to alert anyone who was approaching them. They, they had to call out, unclean, unclean, to warn anyone from getting close. These men at some point recognized Jesus and weren't just calling out unclean, unclean as a warning, but they called to Jesus. They called out saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. They call Jesus master. This particular word here is used only in Luke and other than here is only used by the disciples. This word's meaning is one who has notable authority or power. This is the word Luke used when Peter uh, used when Peter made, suggested making three tabernacles on the Mount of Transfiguration. These ten lepers cried out for Jesus to have mercy on them. They said, have mercy on us. This is common, a common request for pity and compassion from those seeking healing from Jesus. We see this in multiple cases in Matthew. Matthew 9, 27, 15, 22, 17, 15, chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. They were calling out for mercy, mercy requesting pity and compassion to be healed. Their disease was incurable, and in this moment upon seeing Jesus, they mustered enough hope and faith to plead for Jesus the healer to heal them. During World War II, a pharmacist's mate, Wheeler B. Lips Jr., performed a life-saving appendectomy on seaman Daryl Dean Rector aboard the submarine Sea Dragon. Maneuvering behind enemy lines in the Pacific, the closest thing to a doctor on board was pharmacist's mate Lips, a lab technician by training who had witnessed an appendectomy. Facing certain death, if not operated upon, a rector agreed to lips conducting, correcting the situation. Without surgical instruments, lips used a knife blade for a scalpel, a tea strainer to administer ether, and spoons from the galley to keep the incision open during surgery. The crude tools were sterilized with alcohol from a torpedo, Surgery was performed in the officer's quarters on September 11th, 1942, the first appendectomy aboard a submerged submarine. Rector resumed his responsibilities 13 days later. In a 
dire need of hope, they turned to what was available. And in that situation, it didn't look good. <laughs> Jesus hears these 10 men. He looks at them and tells them to go show themselves to the priests. We don't see Jesus approaching the 10 men or go over and touch them as he did with an earlier encounter with a leper. We see this in Mark 1, verses 40 to 45, and Luke 5, verses 12 to 16, where the leper says, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. And the Lord responds, I am willing, and touches him. No, here, Jesus instructs these men to go show themselves to the priests. The law of Moses had strict procedures for leprosy. They were to show themselves to the priest that they had been healed and ask permission to reintegrate into society. But the thing was, at this point, Jesus hadn't healed them. He just said, go show yourselves to the priests. He didn't heal them before telling them to go. Well, why didn't Jesus just pronounce them healed as he had done many times before? Partly, I think he may have been testing their faith in him to heal them in his time, instantly or not. But likely, Jesus was also affirming God's, or excuse, excuse me, uh, he was affirming the validity to God's law. Matthew 15, verses 17 and 19. 17 and 19. Matthew 15, beginning in verse 17, says, Do you not yet understand that whatever... I'm sorry, I have the wrong ones there. Excuse me, Matthew 5, verses 17 and 19. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till, it is, till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was affirming validity to God's law. Still, these men, in, in some amount of faith, followed Jesus' instructions. They, he was told, they were told to go show themselves to the priests. They knew what that meant. So they went. And as they went they were healed. By obeying Jesus' command to go to the priests, they were demonstrating their faith and fulfilling what needed to be done in the law. 
Leviticus 14 gives the elaborate process to determine if someone has been healed of leprosy. It was an eight-day process with various examinations, sacrifices, and rituals. And in dramatic understatement, Luke simply mentions that as these men were going to the priest, they were cleansed. This brings us now to verse 15, where we see one came back. One came back. Picking up in verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. One came back. We don't know how far these ten men traveled before realizing they were healed, but only one of them, who was a Samaritan, returned to Jesus. As this healed leper returned, he was worshiping God with a loud voice. John MacArthur comments that Luke uses this phrase, loud voice, to convey the idea of strong emotion, emotion, such as that displayed by Elizabeth in chapter 1, verse 42. The followers of Jesus at the triumphal entry that we'll see in chapter 19, and even demons when they are confronted by the Son of God, chapter 4, verse 33, and chapter 8, verse 28. This may have been the first time in years that he was able to speak above a rasping whisper, since leprosy sometimes affected the larynx. As this man reached Jesus, he threw himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. His thankful heart literally brought him close to God. Now the word that we have here for giving thanks used in this sense is the expressing of appreciation for benefits or blessings. And in the New Testament, uh, and it's used here as, as in the New Testament with God or the Lord as the object of thanks. And, that's, and it's fairly common use, but the only place that there's an exception of God being the object of thanks is in Romans chapter 16. But every other time this word is used as giving thanks in the New Testament, it is giving thanks to God. This Samaritan, however, realized that only God could have healed his sufferings and that Jesus is the one who cleansed him. He seems to have concluded that Jesus was God. Whether he understood Jesus to be the Messiah isn't recorded. We know from the, the account of the Samaritan woman, the, the Samaritans did look for, a, look for a Messiah. In her conversation with Jesus, she says, yeah, but you Jews say we need to worship in Jerusalem. We worship here. Jesus responds, there's a time coming when it doesn't matter if we're worshiping in Jerusalem or here. We'll all worship in spirit and truth. 
And she tries to skirt there. Yeah, we, we know that someone called Messiah is coming and he'll clear all this up. And this is where he revealed himself. I am the one you're talking to. So they, there was an understanding of a Messiah for the Samaritans. Now, whether he understood or recognized Jesus as Messiah, that's not recorded here. We, what we do know is that he likely understood Jesus to be God. And how did he do this? Well, he returned and worshiped Jesus. He fell at Jesus's feet in act of worship to thank Jesus. And the Old Testament, the law especially, clearly says you worship no one except God. Jesus had healed 10 lepers. However, only one returned to give thanks to Jesus. As we read, then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Were not, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? It is generally assumed that the other nine men were Jews. Maybe perhaps a lack of evidence to say otherwise is evidence enough. But all we know for sure is that this one man who turned back was a Samaritan. And as we mentioned before, Jews and Samaritans looked down at each other and were at odds over their worship of God. If the other nine were all Jews, likely the only reason this one man was allowed to remain was their shared suffering as outcasts and lepers. We don't know why the other nine did not return to to Jesus to thank him. Maybe they took off to show their families. Perhaps they kept going to the priest. Perhaps the nine had other things they wanted to do now that they were healed. Perhaps the others were planning on worshiping God and offering thanks to God at the temple through the sacrifices. But their lives demonstrate how easy it is for us to receive blessing from God without stopping and offering thanksgiving. Some of you will remember from the 60s, the the revised To Tell the Truth. And you'll remember Gary Moore as as one of the hosts. Well, on one of these shows, it developed that He had three young men on the show, and it developed that these high school boys were standing on a subway station in New York City when suddenly a man fell on the tracks below. Immediately, without knowledge of of each other, each boy jumped down to rescue the man. They managed to pull him to safety just seconds before the train came sweeping into the station. The mayor presented each young man with a special citation for bravery, Several organizations in New York recognized them for, their, for their, this extraordinary act of heroism. And when Gary Moore asked one if he had any contact with the family or the man whom he'd rescued, he said, no, he never thanked us. Does our relationship with God center on what God might do for us and give us? an inherently self-centered relationship? Or do we long to see God for who he is 
and worship him for his glory and beauty, to serve him and submit to him. Unfortunately, the nine were reacting with the typical prevailing attitude of the Jewish nation towards Jesus. They were grateful for what he could do for them, like heal and feed them, but they never responded properly to him. Thus, they rejected him as Messiah. Yet this Samaritan, one outside the nation of Israel, one outside the covenant of Israel, did respond properly. And it's commonly understood that his faith was enough, was his faith that he had when he returned to Jesus was a saving faith. So as we look through this passage, how do we, how do we apply this? Well, we can, we can assume that this man had maybe had, a, a, had developed a, a, a thankful heart and that this was a very obvious point of his, of his thankfulness. And we can develop a lifestyle of thankfulness by intentionally building up a spiritual practice of gratitude and learning to express spontaneous appreciation throughout each day. Many times the Bible instructs us to give thanks to God with our whole hearts. Psalm 9.1, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. Like any discipline or skill, development takes practice and more practice and more practice. We will not learn how to be grateful overnight. We need to practice. We should set aside deliberate times and practice giving thanks to God. Here's some, some ideas. By yourself or with family and friends or friends, keep a gratitude or a thankfulness journal. Write out five things each day you're thankful for. Read them back through old, read back through old entries every year or so. And tell the story of all God has done for your life. When you pray over meals, don't just give thanks to God for the food, but give thanks for other things, family, friends, other blessings that God has given you. You could uh, find music, worship songs that focus on gratitude and thanksgiving. And if you're a little more tech savvy, you can create a playlist and do this. Find regular time in your week, such as uh, cleaning, driving, get, getting ready for work, getting ready for bed, and sing along with this playlist. You could choose a piece of art or create one that expresses or symbolizes gratitude in some way. Put it someplace where you'll see it and remember to give thanks. Once we have developed the muscles of gratitude, we will have an easier time expressing spontaneous thanksgiving and an easier time learning to see reasons to be grateful. This was the response of the leper who returned to Jesus. We can follow in his footsteps by going about our days in an ongoing conversation of thanksgiving. 
Did the tree outside your house or apartment bloom this week? Or maybe not, not this time. <laughs> did, a, did a branch fall off your tree? No? <laughs> you, you can give thanks as you pass by. Do you have work that sustains your needs? Give thanks that, to God as you enter and exit the building. Do you have friends and family to visit with? Give thanks as you enter the house to be with them. Though this may be harder to do during seasons of loss and pain, once we have developed the habit, we will find that this scaffolding of gratitude can sustain us during times of suffering. Gratitude, thankfulness, brings us into God's presence where we can give response in praise. So as we start focusing on Thanksgiving, let's find some ways that we can begin to develop these skills and these muscles. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the account of this leper who returned to give thanks. We thank you for all the blessings you have given to us. This church building we have to meet in. Your scripture, your word, so that we might know who you are. That we might come to salvation through it. Or because of it. We thank you for the salvation you have given to us. Salvation through Jesus Christ alone in his death, burial, and resurrection. We thank you that we have the freedoms in this country, that we can worship freely, we can express our thoughts and ideas freely. Father, we thank you for the responsibilities you've given to us. We thank you for the families you've given to us and the family we have here together, gathered around. Help us to continue to find ways to be thankful and not just during this time of year, but through, but through every day and all year round. We pray these things, Father, in the name of your Son and our Savior. With thankfulness. In Christ's name, amen.